Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to another edition of the Mile High Report Radio Podcast, MHR Radio, Adam Alnati, Ian St. Clair. Um, not, not a special edition? Yes, a special edition? I don't know what to say here, because we've had so many special editions. I don't think it's a special edition. It's definitely not a special edition for how we're going to lead off this podcast. No, that's true. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's going to, it's going to feel a little, um, it's going to hurt a little. And it's gonna, you might be a little crampy, uh, so to speak. And and so that being said, Ian, I think I, I'll let you take it away with your analogy because I think it's I think it's great. So as Broncos fans know, throughout the last week, since the two teams were set for the AFC Championship game, the New England Patriots going to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. There's been this debate amongst Broncos fans about. Who do you root for? Air quotes. Or pull for? And for me, it's easy, and it's easy for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Never under any circumstance, in any way, shape, or form, do you want anything good to ever happen to a division rival. Ever. Ever, ever, 
ever, ever. Never. And that brought up a comparison. I was thinking of a comparison throughout the day on Saturday, and I finally nailed it. Nailed it. Would you rather drink spoiled milk, the Patriots, or would you rather chug untreated, dirty Mexican water, the Chiefs? With spoiled milk, the Patriots, you know what you get. It's rank and it makes your toes curl. But you can wash it out after a couple of seconds with water. Maybe a mint or two, but yeah, I'm with you. When you drink that untreated Mexican water, as someone who has experienced Montezuma's revenge on my honeymoon, as have I, you want none of that. But if you're pulling for FUKC, you are willingly and knowingly chugging untreated Mexican water. And as soon as you get the result you want, you're going to immediately regret it. And you're going to wish you had chugged that rank spoiled milk, but you won't be able to because you're going to be stuck on a toilet with what I have called Patrick Mahomes revenge. Mm. Delicious. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting, Ian, because when we, we sort of were bantering back and forth about this and I actually likened the, the Patriots to just regular water, just tap water. You know what tap water is. You know what you're going to get with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the and the Patriots. And it, it, Brady's legacy is cemented. He's nothing that he does from this point forward is going to change whether or not he gets into the Hall of Fame, whether or not he's always listed as one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. None of that is going to change if he wins or if he loses against the Chiefs, if he wins or he loses another Super Bowl, none of it is going to matter. It will not change. But if the Chiefs win, everything changes. And that's the point that I think you're trying to make. And I like your your spoiled milk analogy because spoiled milk is actually not bad for you. You can drink spoiled milk all you want, and if you can hold it down because of how disgusting it is, it actually won't make you sick. It's a lot like buttermilk, isn't it's, it? It's just cheese, essentially. It's You're just drinking nasty cheese. But Patrick Mahomes' revenge eliminates some of those things that Broncos country holds so dear. And the first and foremost, the thing that it eliminates is the ability for us as fans to look at Chiefs fans and say, you've never even won your own trophy. The Lamar Hunt trophy is the trophy that is awarded to the winner of the AFC Championship game. Lamar Hunt is the owner of the Chiefs. The Hunt family has never won their own trophy. That is hilarious. That is a wonderful troll. That is one of those things that guys like Scotty will cling on to until it disappears. And if they beat the Patriots and go to the Super Bowl, it's immediately gone. And then imagine them winning the Super Bowl. As unbearable as Chiefs fans are today, right now, as they have been for 50 years, which is the last time they won a Super Bowl, just imagine how they will be if they win the Super Bowl 
with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes' revenge, that's when it that's when it affects everybody, even people that didn't drink the water. And I'm not going to willingly drink that water. Nope. Because we've been saying on this podcast for over two years how rich and awesome and hilarious it is that the Chiefs have never won the trophy named after their owner. I want that to stay alive. I want that to stay alive more than anything. Because I want to start a petition if they lose to the Patriots that we can't that we change the name of it to the Pat Bolin trophy. Because at least then the Broncos have won it. Eight times. Yeah, it really should be named after an owner who's actually been able to hold it up as a winner. (laughs) And uh, sorry, Lamar, but you haven't. None of the hunts have. And as you said, if the Chiefs do go on to beat the Patriots, and then they go on to win the Super Bowl, Every single person who rooted for that to happen who is a so-called Broncos fan is going to then give every one of us Patrick Mahomes' revenge. Or to put this another way, I saw a great tweet that laid it out perfectly. If you're a Broncos fan rooting for the Chiefs, I hope a midget kicks you in the dick. (laughs) Right in the ding-ding. That's where you deserve it. That's just all there is to it. Uh, and if you don't have one, uh, I hope they give one to you and then they kick you in it because you deserve it. That's just the way it is. Uh, and I, w- I was trying to think of a comparison for this, and we're both Yankees fans. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was trying to imagine Yankees fans who are out of the playoffs or not in the playoffs, and the, the Red Sox are in the American League Championship Series, and they're playing – who the Astros? Let's go with the Astros. Sure, why not? And Yankees fans are all. Now we hate the Astros more. We're rooting for the Red Sox. That would never happen in a million years. Actually, take any infinite number you want, and that would never happen. No. Yet for not. some strange ass reason, there are some Broncos fans rooting for the Chiefs. I like your other comparison, the Ohio State. It's like Ohio State fans rooting for Michigan over Alabama. Why? Why would you ever root for your your rival to to beat a team that you just don't like because they're successful? And let's 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 not mince words here. Broncos fans are no different than any other fan of any other franchise at this point. If you're a fan of the NFL and you're not a fan of the Patriots, you hate the Patriots. That's just the way it is. But that should not preclude the hatred that you have for a division rival, especially one like the Broncos and Chiefs or like the Broncos and Raiders. This would be like Rudy. This is all this is almost as bad, and I'll just say almost as bad, because I still rank the Raiders higher than the Chiefs on my hatred scale. This is almost as bad as rooting for the Raiders over the Patriots. And I have heard fans say in the past that they wished the Raiders would have won that game in the snow in Foxborough oh so many years ago with the tuck rule and all that stuff. There, No, I was no. I, I was fine with that. In fact, I am fine rule, with that. The, the tuck rule was my favorite rule for a while. 
because it helped eliminate the Raiders from possibly winning a Super Bowl. And they probably would have won the Super Bowl that year. He had a pretty good team. Not that I like to say that out loud, but they did. And they almost could have, and I'm glad they didn't. So there's that. And there's also this argument about how the Chiefs haven't been relevant, but the Patriots have. Okay. This wasn't even when Brady and Belichick were playing Mike Shanahan and Jake Plummer, even if you go back to that 2006 AFC championship game, they could never beat the Broncos. And you couldn't name anyone involved with the Patriots. If you want to say this is a rivalry, you couldn't name anybody who was on that team prior to 2000. Uh, Drew Bledsoe. That's that count. Teddy Bruschi. Teddy Bruschi was on that team. I mean, I could. I could. They they did go to a Super Bowl. They lost to the the Packers, the same Packers team that the Broncos beat the next year. And would have beat that year. And probably had they not lost to Jacksonville. They, they, there's there's no doubt in my mind. That's for sure. That's but we're but, we're, but we're living this in the past. Whole, I, but it's but it's recency bias. Oh yeah. The Patriots are they a rival? Well, we had this yes. conversation, though. We, yeah, we did. Yeah, we they talked are about a rival, this. Mm-hmm. but it's not anywhere near the Chiefs or a division rival. You play the Chiefs two times every year, every single year, and that's been the case since 1960. It's a long time. It's a long time. You know, here here's what I will say. It's just like we talked about with the Steelers and we talked about we're talking about it with the Patriots they are rivals of the Denver Broncos but really what they are is peers and i think there's a distinction there when you're a peer you're on the same level and i know that that sounds sort of strange to say right now with the Broncos having missed the playoffs two years in a row having gone uh three years in a row excuse me uh two years in a row losing seasons i i get that but that's that to me is if you look in the history of the broncos over the last 35 years or so that's that's abnormal right that's the outlier that's not the that's not on the line of trajectory that you normally see so the steelers and the patriots while they are yes rivals i think it's more along the lines of rivals like they are peers not rivals like the Raiders and the Chiefs, who are just rivals, hated rivals, who I will love to beat when they are down and they are and they are awful. I will love to beat when they are when they are great and they are and they are possibly winning Super Bowls. That will always make me happy to beat them. There will come a time in the next twenty years or thirty years where we will go, Oh yeah, the Patriots were really good back then and we really, you know, battled them. But they I won't hate them. I mean, I'll hate them, but I won't hate them. You know what I'm saying? I will always hate the Chiefs. I'll always hate the Raiders. That's just the way it is. And so to ignore that or to say, no, I, I hate the Patriots more, it's like you said, it's recency bias, and you got to get over it. Tom Brady has beaten three Broncos quarterbacks. Three. Danny Cannell, Tim Tebow, and Trevor Simeon. Those are the three quarterbacks of the Denver Broncos Tom Brady has beaten. That's not a rivalry. It's actually, it sounds like a joke. Doesn't it sound like the beginning of a joke? Danny Cannell, Tim Tebow, and Trevor Simeon walk into a bar. 
they see Tom Brady and they wet themselves. Now I got to put an outlier on that. Uh oh. In Denver. Okay. Because he beat Peyton Manning and the Broncos in New England. Yeah, but does it count? I mean, I guess it does. Yes, it counts. But in terms of in Denver, those are the three quarterbacks he's beaten in Denver. That's a rivalry. No, it's it's not a rivalry. It's it's just not. And it's it's okay for us to say it's not a rivalry. It's okay for us to say uh it's it's a recent peer, right? These this is a team that the Broncos are on the same tier as sort of. And I know there are probably Patriots fans out there that don't listen to this podcast that would disagree, but they don't listen so they can suck it. And that's not as you said, that's not to say that we don't hate the Patriots. Hate them. And I I am totally over them. Oh, but their fans are horrible. Yeah. The organization is horrible. Agreed. But that's not going to change whether or not they they lose to the the Chiefs or not. The whole point is you don't want anything good to ever happen to a division rival, let alone one that's never won the trophy named after their owner. And I would much rather have that and then the Patriots lose in the Super Bowl then God forbid the Chiefs win this game and then they go on to win the Super Bowl. I don't want that. No. I don't want Patrick Mahomes' revenge because it'll probably be worse than Montezuma's revenge, and it won't be of my choosing. <laughs> not not our choice. All right, so everyone knows how we feel. Now I think it's time we talk about the games because there's two big games. This is this is arguably the best Sunday in the his in the season, right? This is the best two, you know, the the best two championships games or whatever, you know, best four teams in the in the NFL. You get two big games. It's the best Sunday of the season, and we've got to talk about the games. And we've talked a little bit already about the Chiefs uh, and the Patriots. So why don't we finish up that conversation? Uh, and and maybe give our predictions on that. And I'm going to let you go first. I think Tom Brady and Bill Belichick take whether or not it's their need to feel like it, but to be the underdog, I think they are the underdog. Yeah, I mean, they're playing in Kansas City. I think Bill Belichick is going to find a way to limit the damage of what Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill do because that's what Bill Belichick does. He always finds a way to limit the damage of the other team's best weapon, parentheses, weapons. And for the Chiefs, there's no doubt that it's Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. If you limit the damage of Tyreek Hill you limit the damage the Chiefs can do offensively. I think they would much rather let them go over the middle for 10 to 12 yards to Travis Kelsey than those Tech Mobile-esque Bo Jackson plays with Tyreek Hill. And I also think that New England has the offense to completely steamroll that crappy Chiefs defense, especially if they do what they did against the Chargers. If they run the football like that, they will beat the Chiefs. And, of course, everyone knows how I feel. I will never, under any circumstance, ever predict the Chiefs. So I'm predicting that the Patriots win 
twenty-six. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good prediction. Thirty-four twenty-six. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I kind of agree with a lot of what you said. I think Bill Belichick does a really good job of taking the best players on the other team and eliminating them and taking them out of contention. And I think you're right. It's Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I think that it's probably you, you could be right with the Tyreek Hill, but I don't think they can stop Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, whichever Williams is running the ball, uh, Sammy Watkins. There are so many weapons on offense. And I think what we see a lot in NFL and the NFL is you get a team like the Chiefs who have a great offense and it carries them into a Super Bowl. Think back to the 2000 uh, to the 2013 Denver Broncos who lost to the Seattle Seahawks in a Super Bowl that they arguably could have won. That offense was the greatest offense in the history of the NFL, uh, points wise and yards wise and whatever whatever stat you want to look at. And they got to the Super Bowl, and yes, they had injuries, and yes, there were some things that popped up on them, but they got they got blown out in the Super Bowl. And I look at what this Chiefs team has done throughout the year and the way that they have limited the damage that their defense does by sucking and have just put up ungodly numbers. And I just don't see them at home against a team that, yes, is very good, but is is probably the most mortal they've been in a while. Uh, I, I don't see them losing to the Patriots. And so, unfortunately, I am going to go against what I really would normally like to do here, and I'm going to predict a Chiefs victory because I just think they have too many weapons on offense and they will be able to run with the Patriots step for step, stride for stride, and they'll get the backing of that home field advantage that, let's face it, in Kansas City is always a factor. And I think Kansas City wins in in kind of that Monday night football style shootout that we saw. Uh, not as high scoring. I think I'm going to go with 38 to 35, uh, Kansas City with a, a field goal to end it at in regulation. 38 35 Kansas City. And yeah, I hated saying that. I think the big X factor in all of this is Bill Belichick against Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the worst head coaches in the history of the National Football League in terms of situational football and clock management. And he's going against the master. I agree. I I don't disagree. I think that's going to be a huge factor in this game because I think Bill Belichick and his staff is going to run circles around Andy Reid and that staff. I really do, and I think there are going to be a couple of instances and moments in this game when it's going to come down to those decisions because it it usually does. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched up in terms of of offense and defense. I think they're really similar. I think the Patriots are are, are a little bit better defensively, and I think the Chiefs are a little bit better offensively. But the Patriots have already beaten the Chiefs once this year in another shootout. Where? In New England. Mm. But that doesn't matter. I I really don't think it matters. I do. I do. Because think back to that, the AFC Championship game in 2015. The Patriots were this close to making a comeback. 
they, but against they didn't. a much better defense. But but they didn't. But they didn't. And it I, was and still I, that close. I think you know what I think what we're gonna see, and I, you make some really good points, and I really do think that what we are going to see is a game where the team with the ball last is gonna win. And I I, I always every time I say that I think back and I, I think back all the way to the 2001 season when the Broncos played the then St. Louis Rams, who still had Kurt Warner as their quarterback, who was it 2000 or 2001? I think it was the 2000 season. Maybe I, I might be a year off on that. And the the Rams and the Broncos went toe-to-toe. They went punch-for-punch punch for an entire game. And it was whoever had the ball last. The Broncos scored with, I think, a, a minute and a half left in that game. And then Kurt Warner drove the Rams down, and they scored with, like, no time left on the clock. And the game was over, and that was it. And I think that's the type of game you're going to see on Sunday. And I, I just think you're going to get to the point where it's whoever's got the ball last. And I think it'll end up being Kansas city. That's just the way I see it happening. And, and maybe part of me is predicting this because um, I'm, I'm often wrong on my predictions and I would love to be wrong. I'm okay with I being wrong. So, so, so here's hoping that you're right. And I'm wrong. I will take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday in this type of situation. I think what has the potential to be the best game of the weekend is the Rams and the Saints. Absolutely. Especially with the way you know both head coaches like to call games and the way they like their teams to play. This could absolutely turn into a shootout. But I think it'll be a great game. I I think the biggest difference between the Saints and the Rams is the Superdome. I, I just I, I don't see any way the Rams going into to New Orleans and beating the Saints. No, and I'm if, with you. And if and I, I will make uh, a prediction: if the Saints have Steve Gleason anywhere near that stadium, oh, watch out! Place will be place will be uh, an explosion of sound. It will be the the loudest thing you. I, I think they they could possibly break the decibel record that is held by Kansas City. Um, just with how loud that place will get. It, it will mimic the block punt that he had after Katrina. I think that it will it it will be at least on par with that, if not exceed it, if he is in the building, which I can't imagine he won't be. Oh, he'll be there. Absolutely, he will be there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm also predicting a Saints win on this one, uh, and I think it'll be a shootout as well. I'm, I'm looking at 32-29. I think it's another situation where it's last team with the ball uh, is going to win, and I think the Saints at home. I'm picking the, I'm picking the home teams. I just feel like it's a, it's a home team league, and I think that the home teams are going to win. In terms of the Super Bowl, I, I, I do hope that Drew Brees – is able to get there. And then what I think will be, if he's able to win it, I think he'll, he'll retire. I think he'll, he'll cap his career with a Super Bowl win. It'll be his second one sort of, and he would have, he would have, he would have beaten Peyton Manning and then Tom Brady for his two Super Bowl wins. Could you imagine being able to say that I've won two Super Bowls and the quarterbacks that I beat were Tom Brady and Peyton Manning? That would be, I mean, that would be pretty amazing. Eli Manning can say he beat Tom Brady twice. There's that. I think any quarterback who can say they beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl 
deserves a medal. Sure, deserves a little something. That would be uh, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, I like that. I love the I love the idea of that. So I'm, I'm and cool I I, I still even though we've moved on I I my stomach is already getting upset. Are you getting a little gassy at the thought of yeah. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? That crampy. I I I, I, I kind of have this urge to run to the toilet. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not far behind you. It just feels like it. I feel like you know what I feel like, and this is what happened to me. And I, I'll give you a little inside information. Uh, when I was in Mexico all those years ago, and and suffered from Montezuma's revenge, I, like an idiot, chose to drink mixed drinks. So I was drinking uh, gin and tonics because I like gin and tonics in the summertime, and it was hot like the summer. And they served those over ice, and I was drinking them and drinking them, and then on our way home. That's when it hit me. And, of course, we got delayed in Atlanta because we were flying into O'Hare. So imagine sitting in the O'Hare in the in the Atlanta airport just wishing you could die right there. That's what this will feel like, people. As I said, it was on my honeymoon. So my wife spent all the time by herself on the beach soaking up the sun while I was wishing something would stop soaking up whatever it was I was sitting on. It's not, it's not a fun experience. And you, people, you people who are rooting for the chiefs and don't get me wrong. I know I predicted they were going to win, but I'm not rooting for it. You people are rooting for us all to suffer from that. And that's and get not Patrick cool. Mahomes' bro. revenge. Yeah. I don't, I don't need Patrick Mahomes' revenge. None of us do. None and the thing do. is, is that Montezuma's revenge goes away after a couple weeks. Patrick Mahomes' revenge, if they go on to win the Super Bowl this season, it's like we could be facing 12 years of this. It's not going to be pretty, everyone. It's not going to be pretty. What is pretty is the Broncos' coaching staff. Oh, my goodness. Things things are shaping up nicely. We got so, the Denver. We got the Denver Mafia coming together. I mean, it's really it is kind of interesting if you look at the moves that the front office has made. If you look at what John Elway has done, he, he has, in my opinion, this looks like um, these are the moves of a man who knows that this is his last chance. He knows that he had to get this right, and that there was a safe pick, and that there was the right pick, and obviously. The safe pick was Mike Munchak, and he still hired him. But he also went out and he got his guy in Vic Fangio, which I know we've we've spoken about. But that's not where it stopped, right? It, it just kept going. So I, I don't know. Who do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Ed Donatel, who's going to be the defensive coordinator, who's already been in Denver before? Twice. Twice. We can go there. We can go to Brandon Staley, sure, who was with Vic Fangio in Chicago the last couple of seasons as the outside linebackers coach. Feels like which he'll which he'll do in Denver, and you know Staley has to be doing something right since that's Fangio's specialty. As he said in his news conference, he he will and does coach the outside linebackers. So you know Brandon Staley is doing something right if he's being brought in with him from Chicago, my hope is, is there's another guy that they bring back who 
was kind of like a, a floating intern, a floating coach in DeMarcus Ware. So you get Vic Fangio, you get Brandon Staley, and you get DeMarcus Ware to coach up those outside linebackers, namely Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb, Jeff Holland. Hopefully Shaquille Barrett comes back, but we'll see about that. I, he wants to be a starter, and he's not going to be that in Denver, obviously, with Miller and Chubb. But at Donatel, I, I mean, he spent the last eight years with Fangio in San Francisco and then Chicago. And then obviously there's a connection to Denver because Donatel was the defensive backs coach for the back-to-back Super Bowl years. And if you want to know how the Broncos feel about this or how you should feel about it as a fan, Steve Atwater and Ray Crockett absolutely love this hire. And I, I think that tandem is huge. I mean, look at the success that they had in San Francisco and then again in Chicago. And I I think the big thing as a whole for the overall staff, why it's so exciting, is Vic Fangio, the thing that stood out to me about his news conference, and we touched on this, is he's honest, he's humble, he's funny. But the thing that stood out to me the most is how much he loves to teach. He loves to teach. And as the son of a a woman who taught for over 30 years and my aunts and uncles were teachers, you're a teacher, your parents were teachers. I love that. Absolutely. I absolutely love that because that's what a coach does. It's a teacher. And he's not just going to teach the players. He's going to teach his coaches. And I think that's what you're seeing with Mike Munchak. He's considered the best offensive line coach in the NFL, not just because he was a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, but because he can teach. And I think that's what this offensive line needs. And I know there are a lot of people disappointed with the loss of Sean Kugler, who is now with the Arizona Cardinals. But Mike Munchak is the best in the National Football League, and I think that's what Garrett Bowles needs. And then they're bringing back the coaches that were here before. You're bringing back um, Tom McMahon, the special teams coordinator, Chris Gould, McMahon's assistant special teams coordinator. You're bringing back the bear wrestler, Bill Kolar, the (laughs) defensive line coach. And I think the Broncos now have the two best line coaches in the National Football League with Mike Munchak and Bill Kolar. They're bringing Reggie Herring back to coach the linebackers. Curtis Modkins is coming back to coach the running backs. Lauren Landau is coming back as the strength and conditioning coach. And Zach Azani is coming back as the receivers coach. And I think those are all great guys to bring back. And then in terms of the guys who they've already hired, we mentioned Mike Munchak. We mentioned Brandon Staley. We mentioned Ed Donatel. They hired Rich Scangarello as the offensive coordinator. Hey, you did a nice job on that. Well, it's because of how you originally pronounced it on our last podcast. Wow, a little scangarello. You got to get it in there, right? That's what she said. (laughs) They brought in Wade Harmon as the tight ends coach, and there are a lot of people who think that he's another one at the top of the list for the way he coached his tight ends, and there's a connection to a, a Broncos Hall of Famer. 
He was the tight ends coach for the Baltimore Ravens when Shannon Sharp was there. He also coached Todd Heap. And I believe it, the Falcons tight end, Austin Hooper, is that his name? Hooper is one of yeah, one of the guys there. Yep. He he uh, with the Falcons, he was the tight ends coach, so he taught he uh, he coached him. And I think the big thing with Harmon is that again, he's a great teacher, but he he knows how to coach great blocking tight ends too. So it's the full spectrum for the tight ends. And then a former Bronco coming back. Ronaldo Hill is the defensive backs coach. And here's an interesting development. Mike Kliss announced that former Broncos offensive lineman Chris Cooper is interviewing as an assistant offensive line coach. And I always love former Broncos coming back and, and serving as a coach or having some sort of role. And he, as Joel Dreesen said, the former Broncos tight end, Chris Cooper was a dog on the field. Yes, he was. And yes, he was. I agree with that. So that's actually, I think that would be a nice move. I I like the idea of bringing guys in who want to be here too, want to be in Denver, want to be with the Broncos. uh, And former players usually have that, uh, have that sort of desire, which I think is something you see with DeMarcus Ware. He's DeMarcus Ware is one of those guys that he could go be on TV. I think he'd be fine on that. Uh, He could could go do pretty much whatever he wanted. I think whatever he chose to do, he would be really good at it. But I, I always sort of loved watching him work with, some of the young guys when he was with the Broncos as a player. I thought he was a great leader. I thought he was one of those guys that could show the young players, and this is what he did with Von Miller for sure, how you are supposed to be a, 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 you know, a success in the NFL. He did that. He showed guys how to do that, and I think it, it helped Von Miller, and I think it can help you know, the next generation and the next wave of players that come in like a Bradley Chubb, like a, you know, whoever else they're going to bring in, like a, you know, like a Shaq Barrett if he stays, who, you know, who probably won't, but, you know, it is what it is. And I, I can see that being a good hire as well. Just so, I think that one more depends on what DeMarcus Ware wants to do. If he comes up to John Elway and says, hey, I want to coach, he'd be like, I mean, what's John going to say? Of course, we're going to get you on the field with these guys because he's already seen him have that kind of success as a player and then as like you said sort of a floating intern slash coach kind of guy for the last year or so so um i i just think that the the coaching staff looks better as far as guys who know what they're doing and guys who have an understanding of how you connect and how you fit and how you do what you're supposed to do and 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 vic fangio is is going to be the the head of that, which is why he's the head coach. And then everything sort of builds off that. And every name that you read was somebody who, like you said, is a teacher, is someone who's going to get in there and and work with the players who need to be worked with and show them the way that they need to do things. And, and that's going to make the Broncos better. And the turnaround starts now. And it, it's it's not fun to have to talk about a turnaround, but that's what it is. This is a turnaround. And the Denver Broncos have to turn things around, and it starts now. And like I said, John Elway knew going into this, this was his last hire of a head coach for the Denver Broncos. Because if he gets it right, he's there forever. If he gets it wrong, they're gone together. There is a great story of, of about Rich Scangarello, and it's from June 2017 from the Sacramento Bee. And it was written by Matt Barrows, who was at the Sacramento Bee covering the 49ers. He's now moved over to the Athletic. But I, 
for those who don't know much about Rich Scangarello, he spent the last couple of seasons with Kyle Shanahan. And then he was also with Shanahan in Atlanta. And there's a quote that really stands out from this piece. And it, I think it speaks to everything that we just talked about with Fangio. It's what we talked about with, with Donatel, as you did with DeMarcus Ware. It, 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 and it, it just, it, it's, it's just a remarkable quote. Over the course of the Falcons' 2015, Scangarello learned the details of the run game, the play-action fakes, and the quarterback-keeper plays for which Kyle Shanahan is renowned. He said the biggest difference between the West Coast offense he had been running in college and Shanahan's system was the passing game. I would say the one thing I could truly appreciate beyond anything with Coach Shanahan is that he's trying to score on every single play he calls, Scangarello said at the time. And I never thought that way as a play caller in the passing game. Sometimes I was thinking more about staying on schedule, and he was always thinking, how can we attack the defense and create explosive plays? It really changed my mindset for the better. And I think that shows a big difference between the coaching staff we just witnessed and the coaching staff prior to that, who is now with the Minnesota Vikings. A stubbornness, an inability, or I think the other word I'm looking for is incapable. Mm, that's a, of change of changing their way of thinking. I think stubbornness was good, but yeah, incapable of changing is a, is a good way to say that as well. And I think that quote from that remarkable story on Rich Scangarello highlights that. Well, it's and an I ability that, to grow. Yeah, that too. And I think that's why I think Elway and Fangio were 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 set on Scangarello from the beginning. Because obviously he's worked in Kyle Shanahan's offense and he's been successful. He knows how to teach. He developed quarterbacks. Look at the quarterbacks he worked with just the last two years. I think it was seven because of injuries. (laughs) It was was a large number. And you're now bringing that mindset from that quote into the Broncos offense. And I think that is so, so crucial and vital. Yeah, I I cannot disagree with that. And I, th- I think really it, as you look at uh, what's going to happen with this team moving forward, and obviously there's so many things that happen from now uh, until the draft and, and you have free agency and, and things are going to continue to shift. Um, but with a coaching staff in place that looks like they are, uh, they are ready to kind of take on this challenge of, of fixing this franchise, and it needs to be fixed. I don't think there's any any you know way to get around it there are there are gaping holes there are huge issues there are problems in the front office there's business side issues there's player issues there are several things that have to be fixed and this coaching staff to me head coach offensive coordinator defensive coordinator offensive line coach especially defensive line coach i think these are guys that can fix the problems that ail this franchise, at least on the field, at least on the field. Beyond that, that's not their job. But at least on the field, you're going to see things 
get turned around. It may not happen right away. It may take a season or two to kind of really get into it. But I, I, I see a, a brighter future than what I saw with Vance Joseph and, and, and Gary Kubiak, respectively. And there's always a pause. You, you don't want to get carried away with a coaching staff because – I, I tried to convince myself of Vance Joseph after he was hired, even though I knew it wouldn't work. I, I convinced myself that it would work. So I, I said good things about it, but I think the big thing about this is that it sets the team up for free agency because now you have coaches in place where players want to play for these coaches. They want to play for a guy like Mike Munchak, who they know will get the best out of them. They want to play for a guy like Vic Fangio, who will get the best out of them, and Ed Donatel and Rich Scangarello. They want to play for guys who will get the best out of them. And the Broncos, I contest, will always be a destination spot for free agents because there's this expectation that you win Super Bowls. And if you don't, it's a failure. Players want to be a part of that. And now you get the coaching staff in place where players want to play for these coaches too. It's nice when it all comes together. Is there, uh, is there anything else we got to cover here? No, just hoping that we all don't get Patrick Mahomes' revenge. <laughs> is that is that what we're on to? I don't even know. I don't know. Are we on to Patrick Mahomes' revenge? I hope we're not. I hope not, too. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.